During an interview on Newsmax this week, Alina Haba kind of had a moment of clarity where she realized that her entire future as a lawyer might be in jeopardy due to the fact that she went all in for Donald Trump. A realization that, by the way, most lawyers that have represented Trump in the past all eventually came to as well. But Haba was asked specifically about the damage to her reputation. And at first she actually seemed confused about the question, like, I don't understand this. And then it hit her. So here is the clip. Take a look at Alina Haba coming to this sudden realization of how badly she screwed up her future. Take a look. Since you hooked on with the former president uh, and started representing him, your career has has skyrocketed. I I think Alina Haba is now it's a household name, really. Um, But you're young. You're young in your career. How concerned are you about what this could mean for your reputation down the road? In, in terms of what? I think... Well, there are a lot of attorneys out there that no longer want to represent the former president, right or wrong. I'm not casting judgment, right or wrong, right. because of what it, the implications it has for their careers. And you've got a bright right. future, and seemingly. Yes. Um, I, I have to tell you the truth. I wouldn't do anything differently. I'm so proud of the work that I've done. And any attorney who actually reads transcripts and looks at the rulings that we got before we got into court, evidentiary rulings, things like that, um, losses that have happened. And we've had wins, many wins, but nobody reports them. But the- Because they don't exist, Alina, right? Like you can't be mad at the media for not covering your so-called victories when those victories don't actually exist, okay? What she is referring to, by the way, in terms of victories, Obviously not victories in any of the cases that she's handled. Oh, God, no. She lost all of them. Um, What she's talking about is like in court, if they have an objection and that objection gets sustained, like, haha, the judge agreed with us. That's a victory. Yeah. Those typically don't get reported on because what only matters, the only thing that matters is, is what happens at the end of the case, right? The final verdict. So yeah, we're, we're not going to you know, run out of ink printing headlines about Helena Haba wins an objection in court. I'm, I'm sure you consider that a feather in your cap. The media considers it a big giant yawn because ultimately you still lost time and time and time again. But here's what's interesting. When that host asked her about her reputation again, at first she's like, whoa, what, 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 what do you mean? Like, am I, am I in trouble? Is my reputation going down the tubes? And then he mentioned, well, you know, I mean, the good lawyers that Trump had, they've all left, you know, they don't want to be associated with him. You kind of stayed on and her entire demeanor changed at that point. When he went into the second part of the question, after she seemed confused, her demeanor changed. She couldn't look at the camera anymore. She's like looking down, she's trying to think and, uh, uh, getting really solemn. And if you uh, were unlucky enough, by the way, to watch the entire interview, everything that happened before that question, she was happy. She was arrogant. She was bubbly. And then suddenly, no, and I can't even look at the camera anymore. And oh, God, what have I done with my life? A complete 180 from how she was behaving before that question was asked of her, which is why I say that I do think she came to that realization. I don't think for some reason anybody has ever actually pointed that out to her because it's not just, by the way, that you decided to go and represent Donald Trump. I I mean, I I guess 
There could be lawyers that represent Donald Trump that then go on to have, you know, nice, fun legal careers, but a lot of them end up with criminal charges against them, but that's beside the point. But the thing with Alina is that it's not that you've represented Trump. It's not that you support Trump. It's that we all saw your incompetence play out day by day during the trial. It wouldn't have mattered if it was Donald Trump as your client or just some bozo off the street. If everybody got to see what you were doing in court and how much you didn't understand what you were doing, it wouldn't matter who your client is. That's the problem Alina Haba still has not connected those dots to. It's not because it was Trump. It's because of how bad you are at lawyering. It's because of how many times the judge had to stop you and be like, you're not allowed to do that. You can't ask these questions. You can't introduce new evidence during your closing argument. Basic lawyering 101 that Alina Haba didn't know about. That is what caused the damage to her reputation. So she can ride the Trump train as long as she wants, and she will. She's made millions of dollars from it. But eventually, that train's going to derail. It's not going to be there forever. And when that day finally comes, Alina Haba's going to find it very difficult to find new clients. Donald Trump, and by extension his lawyers, love to have little outbursts in court. They love to snicker, they love to yell, they love to basically just act like people who didn't go to law school or even know how cases work. And now, with his first criminal trial set to begin in New York on March 25th, a trio of legal experts has warned that the behavior that Trump and his lawyers engaged in, in both of the uh, civil trials that we've seen with E. Jean Carroll and the New York fraud trial, that kind of stuff isn't going to fly in a criminal trial. Now, to be fair, it didn't fly in the civil trials either. And, you know, Donald Trump was sanctioned. He had the gag order put on him. He was yelled at by the judge. His lawyers were yelled at by the judge. But again, those were civil trials. The rules are completely different in criminal trials. You know, we kept talking about the fact that, oh, Trump keeps uh, violating the gag order. Why is Judge Ingeron only finding him and not throwing him in jail? Well, in a civil matter, jail is typically never going to be an option. But in a criminal trial, jail is typically the first option, which means when Donald Trump pisses off the judge, Judge Juan Merchant, in this particular case in the criminal trial, he doesn't have to sit there and say, I'm going to sanction you $10,000. He can say, I'm holding you in contempt, bailiff, remand him, take him away. That's what will happen. Let me read you this from these legal experts who include Norm Eisen, Joshua Kolb, and Barbara McQuaid. They wrote, quote, we all saw the spectacle that Mr. Trump created in the New York State civil fraud trial, but we also saw Mr. Trump reined in by federal judge Lewis Kaplan in the E. Jean Carroll case, which unlike the civil fraud one, featured a jury watching every move. Judge Merchant is cut more from the cloth of Judge Kaplan. He is a widely respected and experienced jurist. Moreover, criminal trial rules and practice give him even more latitude than Judge Kaplan had in the E. Jean Carroll civil matter. With a jury in the box, Judge Merchant is unlikely 
to tolerate repeated outbursts. We got a taste of that at the hearing last week when he repeatedly and summarily shut down frivolous objections from Mr. Trump's counsel. The seriousness of the prosecution can also be conveyed at sentencing. If Mr. Trump is convicted, Mr. Bragg should seek jail time. Each count of document falsification carries a term of up to four years in prison. Many individuals, including first-time offenders, are sentenced to imprisonment for this crime in New York. And in case you're wondering what happened at the hearing last week, let me read you this from Raw Story. Trump and his attorneys were repeatedly chided for courtroom outbursts by both Ingeron and Kaplan in those cases, and the former president often ranted to reporters outside the courtroom, but he might not get away with such misbehavior in criminal court. Last week at that hearing, they had repeated outbursts. His lawyers got admonished by the judge. This is going to happen. Like, it's not a question of if, it is a question of when. Donald Trump cannot control himself. And by the way, those outbursts don't have to be limited to the courtroom. If Donald Trump goes home after a day of the trial and he gets on truth social and he starts ranting and raving about the judge or the prosecution or anything about the case, they can be called back into court immediately and the judge can hold Donald Trump in contempt and put him away and say, I'm going to have to remand you to custody until this trial is over because these posts on truth social, we got a jury box. This is jury tampering. This is undue influence on that jury. You cannot do this. Now I imagine the judge will probably give him a warning first. Trump will end up violating it because he'll go to a rally and say something there. But I think, I think there's a good possibility before the criminal trial even concludes that Donald Trump will probably have spent at least one night in jail because he simply cannot control himself. And the judge in this case is going to have a lot more leeway to do that than the previous two civil judges did. Three years ago, during her first year in office, Marjorie Taylor Greene repeatedly violated the mask mandate that had been put in place by then-Speaker Nancy Pelosi. This was the year 2021. COVID was still raging. Vaccines were still being rationed. You know, you had to wait and get that notification. The vaccines were ready. Try to sign up before it all gets taken. Uh, It was a hell of a time. But everybody was still wearing masks. Except, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene and a couple of other members of the Republican delegation in the House. They refused to wear their masks on the House floor in spite of the fact that they were fined $500 for the first offense and then $2,500 for every subsequent offense. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene broke the rule so many times that she racked up more than $100,000 in fines for not wearing a mask because she said it was a form of protest. Well, she didn't want to pay the money. She knew she was accruing the fines, but thought, ah, I'll be able to fight it. So she took her complaint to the House Ethics Committee, and the House Ethics Committee said, nope, you owe the fines. She said, okay, fine. I'm going to take it to real court. And the lower court told her, no, you owe the fines. That was in 2022. In 2023, she finally got it in front of an appellate court. And the appellate court told her, no, 
you got to pay those fines. And she said, okay, I'm going to take it to the damn U.S. Supreme Court. And this week, the Supreme Court told her, no, you got to pay those fines. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, along with Republicans Thomas Massey and Ralph Norman, who also had violations and fines, but not nearly as much as Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, they were also told, you got to pay those fines. Marjorie Taylor Greene, being the petty, horrible human being that she is, she's a millionaire. Let's, let's, let's keep that in perspective. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a millionaire. Now, that alone should probably piss you off, Right. But anyway, she has the money to pay the fine. Like, that ain't nothing for somebody with an alleged net worth what Marjorie Taylor Greene has. Um, so she could have just paid the fine and moved on, move on. But she wanted to make, a, make an example of this. She took it to the Supreme Court of the United States. And they refused to take the case, instead sticking with the appellate court's decision that said, you got to pay the fines. Um, this, this is so dumb. And what's even dumber is that Marjorie Taylor Greene and these other lawmakers, I don't know the financial status of the other guys, but they've been there for a bit. So I imagine they got a little bit of cash. Um, it probably cost them more in legal fees, lawyer bills, all that to appeal these fines than it would have if they had just paid the fines. So now you screwed yourself twice because I don't imagine that it's very cheap to have lawyers write briefs to the United States Supreme Court, because even if you don't get your hearing, you still have to submit your brief. So you paid tens of thousands, if not more to lawyers to fight this idiotic little battle for you, a battle that everyone had forgotten about. Nobody cared about your little protest anymore. It was over. You're not getting votes for it. You're not losing votes for it. Everybody else had moved on and forgotten that it even happened. But you decided to keep up the fight and it cost you even more money. And now it's back in the headlines, not because you were such a good little protester, but because you're a damn idiot that still has to pay the fines. So I hope it was worth it, Marge, because now instead of having everybody forget about it, we're reminded of what a loser you are and how you wouldn't even do the bare minimum to keep yourself and everybody else in the House of Representatives safe from a deadly pandemic. New York Attorney General Letitia James said yesterday that if Donald Trump does not pay the $353 million that he now owes the state of New York, she will gladly seize his assets, including his skyscraper on 40 Wall Street. Here is what Letitia James said about Donald Trump and his possible inability to pay the fine. She said, quote, if he does not have funds to pay off the judgment, then we will seek judgment enforcement mechanisms in court and we will ask the judge to seize his assets. We are prepared to make sure that the judgment is paid to New Yorkers. And yes, I look at 40 Wall Street each and every day. 
Financial frauds are not victimless crimes. He engaged in this massive amount of fraud. It wasn't just a simple mistake, a slight oversight. The variations are wildly exaggerated, and the extent of the fraud was staggering. If average New Yorkers went into a bank and submitted false documents, the government would throw the book at them. The same should be true for former presidents. And she's right. If I go into a bank trying to get a loan and I lie about my assets, my income, any of that, I don't go to civil trial. I go to criminal court and then I go to prison. Same thing with every single person watching this. Trump is lucky. And I know that's a weird thing to say when he, you know, could be facing bankruptcy because of this, but he is lucky that they did not bring criminal charges against him on this. They could have, they should have, they were gonna. Alvin Bragg decided not to. But he would have gone to jail. And for the record, yes, we actually already would have had that trial. Um, But it is what it is. And Letitia James is not screwing around. She's like, look, you're going to pay us. If you don't pay us, we're going to take your property. I'm going to take your most beloved possession and I'm going to sell it off at a fraction of its value to pay off this debt that you owe to the state. And here's where things get even funnier. Not only did Judge Ingeron slap him with 350, what is it? The exact amount, $354.8 million. Um, there's also an additional $100 million, bringing the grand total to $454.8 million, sorry. Um, because there's a 9% interest rate on it. And that interest rate, this is hilarious, amounts to almost $90,000 per day. So every day that Donald Trump does not pay that money, an additional $90,000 gets tacked onto it. $600,000 roughly per week that he doesn't pay. And guess what? The clock is running. So if Trump doesn't pay it today, there's an extra $90,000 on it. He doesn't pay tomorrow, another 90,000 on top of that. And yes, that clock is running. So it is starting right now. He can appeal it. He has, you know, less than 30 days at this point to either appeal it or pay it. And if he appeals it, he has to take a good chunk of it, put it in the escrow account, which by the way, still gets charged the $90,000 a day in interest. So if he loses the appeal, then all of that interest that was accrued during the time that he was appealing it, he has to pay. And I don't think there's a way he wins this on appeal. He may, depending on how competent his lawyers are, be able to reduce the amount, but he's not going to be able to erase the amount. And he's probably not going to be able to erase the interest either. So he's going to have to pay through the nose for this. And if he does not have that amount of cash sitting in a bank account where he can go get a, uh, you know, cashier's check to pay the court, then Letitia James already knows which property she's going to sell. Hell, she probably already knows how much she's going to sell them for. And that would be the most humiliating thing to ever happen to Donald Trump. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. Balanced.